First Peter chapter 5, don't turn there, it's not where I'm preaching from, it's just where I'm getting going from. Uh, Peter says this, he says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. And so, in saying this, Peter is giving instruction to pastors, uh, to elders, to leaders, to shepherd the flock that is among you. That is my responsibility as an elder at Overland Church, is to shepherd uh, the people that that we have, and I have very strong convictions uh, about how, uh, as a shepherd, I ought to, to do that, and one of my, my main things, you know, hear me say this, is that I, I don't stand up here uh, to, to um, put my opinions or my thoughts on you or to, uh, I, I don't convict you, I don't lead you, I come up here not in authority over you, but standing under the authority of God's Word. God's Word is every bit of authority that, that I have. And so when I come and I stand in uh, the pulpit, it is to exposit God's Word. I want to give you the words of Jesus, not the words of, of man. I want to give you the words of God, what God um, ordained. I believe that the best way to do this, generally speaking, is through preaching books of the Bible. And so that is what we mainly do at Overland Church as we work through books of the Bible and we do so in, in a way that, that in shepherding, because where is our congregation? What do they need to hear? What's going on in the world around us, in the community around us, and what from God's Word in, in an overarching kind of way is going to hit our whole congregation. And so that's what I generally seek to do. And so it's what I enjoy doing. I would much rather sit up here in the book of Judges and preach an incredibly hard text than I would uh, being like getting soft tossed to topical text about how God loves you, right? I much rather would speak about the judgment of God straight from his word than, than taking Bible verses from here and there and crafting them into something that, that tastes good to you. However, in the call to shepherd the flock that is among you, um, I, I am convicted. I would say that I came to a place of conviction of I must uh, teach on a certain subject this year. Uh, because this subject hits our people. It, it has to do with our people. Our people are dealing with it. And, and so earlier in the year, I, I realized I need to speak to what the Bible says about gender. Uh, particularly around uh, being able to choose gender, gender, gender dysphoria, those, those kind, of, kind of things. Um, because it hits our people. One, uh, we, have, we have several people in our church who have siblings who have wrestled with gender dysphoria, have bought the lies that the world um, ha has sold them and are struggling. And we have people in our church who are broken uh, over the decisions in which they're life-altering decisions that their, their family members are making. And so I want to disciple, inform, teach that, right? So that, that's real. We have people in our church who have children who are struggling with this, and we want to be compassionate and loving as we talk about it. 
that I feel we need to talk about. There's other people who are being told, like, you need to change, your, you need to put your, your, your preferred pronouns in your subject line or else, you know, with the question mark. And, and then, you know, Tino's grinning real big right there, but, dude, you'll probably get fired one day, uh, and this may be what it's over. Um, and so Tino is a, is a counselor at an elementary school, and this is something that he has to deal with. And uh, this is real for our people. And so, that's my heart. And to begin to understand, I think a lot of people, um, in general, don't understand the world's meaning of gender dysphoria and what, it, what, what they mean by gender. And so, anytime I, I'm, I'm putting forth, hey, this is what the world is putting forth. I want to be fair and balanced. I want to give a right representation. I don't just want to be snarky and, and say, can you believe, say they believe that? I want a, a fair balance. Okay, this is, the, this is what the world believes. And so I, I just real quick, you know, as, as I walk through this, this is, this is, you know, when I bring up gender dysphoria real quickly, I just want to say, we'll, we'll talk about this in coming sermons just a little bit, but this is, this is what we're up against, and it's that Biological sex is the label male or female that you're assigned by a doctor at birth based on the genitals you're born with and the chromosomes you have. It's what goes on your birth certificate. That is what your sex is, your biological sex. Gender is more complex. It's a social and legal status, a set of expectations from society about behaviors, characteristics, and thoughts. Each culture has standards above the way that people should behave based on their gender. This is also generally male or female, but instead of being about body parts, it's more about how you're expected to act because of your sex. And then your gender identity is how you feel inside and how you express your gender through clothing, behavior, and personal appearance. It's a feeling that begins very early in life. Now, I just re- that's straight off of Planned Parenthood's website, okay? I, that, like, that's not... My bias, that's what they, that's the definition in which Planned Parenthood puts forth. And so, here's what I would quickly say, is that the world has rightly found fault in the world's gender roles and stereotypes. The world has correctly diagnosed that there is a problem. Right? It's very much like if you're driving your car down the road and all of a sudden it starts like smoking re- like really bad and it's shaking, right? And it's making noises. You don't have to be a mechanic to go, there's a problem, right? It doesn't mean you know how to fix it. And so the world has, has rightly diagnosed the problem. But the problem is they don't have a good solution. That they've got a diagnosis, but the way that they're defining gender roles and stereotypes and the things that they're placing on them, it's the wrong solution. And so as I started diving into this, as I started looking, uh, this, is what, this is what became apparent. So I start diving in. Is that in, in, in what I was going to attempt to do was really just address a bee sting rather than addressing the whole beehive. And we do this a lot. We do this in our own lives. Like we feel a pain and we address the pain rather than going to the root of the problem. And so when I really began to look, so what is the root? Like if, if this is where we've got some confusion in the world, in, in, in that of, of, of gender, what's the real root? And so I was going to address the, 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 the 
bee sting, but I wanted to go deeper. I want to go into the beehive. And what I've found is that I believe that pretty much everybody in this room has the same root issue. Their bee stings just in a different place. And so when somebody's going, having some sort of uh, gender dysphoria or, or some sort of uh, sexual thing that, that, that they're dealing with and wrestling with, we've got to also know that, that we, like them, are pro- probably have the same problem, the same root. It's just affecting us differently. Now, I get it. This is going to hit different people in this room in, in different ways. And so here's what I would say. Here's our real struggle. And it's not just for one little group of people. You know, I pray this all the time in front of our church. I say, Lord, keep us from seeing the, 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 the speck in somebody else's eye and overlooking the log in our own eye. That's scripture, right? We do that. Here's our struggle, our collective struggle, our beasting is that we struggle with our identity. We struggle with who we are. We struggle with our bodies and we struggle with our minds. I have to think, I've never never struggled with any sort of gender dysphoria. I've never looked in the the mirror and thought that I was something other than a a good-looking man. Um, That's a joke. But I've never looked in the mirror and thought I was anything other than than a man. But I have looked in the mirror and, and not like what I've seen. And I think we often do that. We often look in the mirror and we struggle with our identity. We struggle with our image. Sometimes it's on the outside. Sometimes we look at our outward appearance and we struggle with it. This is too big. This is too little. This is too fat. This is too skinny. I look and I look at my nose and I'm like, that's a big old nose. If it snowed today, you could ski off of it. Do you know why I think that? Because when I was a little boy, Johnny Childers, this mean old neighbor of mine, said it to me. Right? He's the first person that ever pointed out, you got a mohunker, that's a bird beak you got there, buddy. And so I look in the mirror and I see a big nose. Our lives are like that. Somebody says something negative about us and we cling to that thing. And so we look and we, we put ourselves, we, we, we look at ourselves in terms of the world and, man... I don't look like that girl I saw on Instagram the other day. Well, of course you don't. You don't have a filter on your mirror, right? Nobody's photoshopped you. No, nobody, you're not holding the pose. You just got out of the shower. The shower was hot. Your skin's going to look funky. It's going to be red. It's hot. We, we put ourselves up, and so we don't like what we see. Or we don't like what we feel. Sometimes we, we, we look in the mirror, and we go, I don't like what's inside of there. What's inside of there is nasty. What's inside of there is mean. I don't like the thoughts that I have. So it's, it's, sometimes it's that we don't like our outward appearance. Sometimes we don't like what's going on mentally. We struggle mentally. We struggle with anxiety. We, we struggle with, with depression. We struggle with, with doubt and, and fear. And we struggle, don't we? We struggle with our identity. We struggle with our image. And so that's what we're going to talk about the next several weeks. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about gender. We're going, to, we're going to talk about the body and how the body lets us. And we're going to talk about all of those things. But it's going to center on this one big truth. That humans are created in the image of God. 
Now, our, our root text is going to be in Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to read to you in verse 26 and 27. And it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so the big truth is this, that humans are created in the image of God. We open up God's word and we we read the creation account in Genesis, we hear stories of how he, he created everything. Now, there's a ton uh, of different beliefs about this passage. Is it, is it literal? Is it not, not literal? Did, did this represent a day? Did this represent a thousand days? How long did this take? And How does evolution fit in? And There's a, a whole lot of different things. But I, I look at God's Word, and, and I look at it, and, and I think that we can rightfully see in God's Word how He He created us in that He spoke the world into being. He spoke a light into being. He spoke the the universe, the other stars, the other planets, that that God created the heavens and the earth. We see that He spoke it. He said, let there be, and there was. And He goes through, and we see the different things that He created. And on the sixth day, He creates us. And we see in Genesis chapter 2 how that happened, that God didn't speak us. He didn't say, let us be, but rather, He breathed life into man. And that when He created us, He created us in His image. Other things aren't in His image. We are in His image. Now, I believe that the reason He created us in His image so that we, His special creation, could clearly see Him and understand Him and relate to Him. To him. So here's the next thing I want to point out. This is the big truth, and this big truth will, will be the, the overarching big truth. This very simple big truth will be the overarching big truth in this series that humans are created in the image of God. But here's the next big idea, and it's this that we are the most valuable of all of God's creation. He cares for us in a different way, He created us with a different purpose. And so we see, after he said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness, and he let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over all the creeping things that creep on this earth that he made us most valuable. Um, I had a birthday this week. I, I turned 40. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk a little bit about what, what it means to turn 40 in a few minutes. But I'm not the only person in my family to turn to have a birthday this week. Allie had a birthday. Um, Allie turned seven. Now, some of you have met Allie. If you've raised, raise your hand if you've met Allie. You're like, why don't you bring her to church? Because she's a dog. And you don't bring dogs to church. Uh, that's actually not true. When we first started, we, um, never mind. There used to be a dog that sat over there, and there used to be one that sat back there, but that was a long time ago. Um, man. Uh, Allie is our seven-year-old lab, and our dog, Allie, is smarter than your dog, okay? She is. My dog is smarter than your dog. Who, who feels offended by that statement? Well, I'm sorry that you feel offended. I, I am, but it's truth, and, and truth, truth often offends, doesn't it? Um, 
she's, she's, incredibly, she's an incredibly smart dog. Yesterday was her birthday. And on her birthday every year, I have a box in, in, my, uh, in my garage, and it's full of these white-tailed deer antlers that, that I picked up in Kentucky, shed antlers, and I give her an antler on her birthday. Well, she knew yesterday. She came to me like, can I have my bone now? And uh, I, seriously, I walk out in the garage. She follows me out in the garage. That's not normal. And she's like looking at the box. I, I promise this really happened. And so I climb up on the ladder, and I get the box down, and I get two antlers out, and I, ho- I give her options. Birthday options. Jennifer swears. You saw this. I hold down the two antlers. She picked the bigger one. She just gets it with her and then goes and gets in her bed. She's a smart dog. My smart dog. Smarter than your dog. Is not as smart as your two-year-old. Your two-year-old kid can do more than my dog can. We got a young one in here. I can't see who that is. David, who, who is who is that? Caroline. How old's Caroline? Three. Three and two weeks. Caroline is smarter than my dog. Caroline has more worth than my dog, doesn't she? Here's, is it the truth? I love my dog. When my dog dies, she's not going to die. Okay, whatever, Jennifer. <laughs> you know the best way to get over a dog <laughs> with a puppy. Like, just like that. That's not how human worth, it's not how humans work, is it? Like, we can look at the, the, the smartest animal. We can look at the things that God created. And we know that their value isn't the same. That he created them different. That humans are created differently. There are no dogs sitting here today in the congregation listening. No dogs got dressed and drove here today. And notice we're talking about dogs and we're not even talking about cats. Right? We know they didn't. Right? We look, at, we look at creation and we know that we are the thing that God created in which he entrusted the rest of his creation to. Just as God rules and reigns, so has he given humans the responsibility to have dominion and rule and reign. Because we're made in his image. One of the reasons in which he uses humans for his glory is to fulfill his purposes on the earth. So we're different in that way. Look, I, I, I'm a huge fan of living creatures. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of, of animals. I'm a huge fan of created things. Uh, I saw a picture this morning um, in Telluride with a, like this fresh little light coat of snow up on the mountains and uh, the aspen leaves turning yellow and whatever. And I'm like, man. And by the way, you know, we talk about our dots on the map. Tell your rod needs a church. They need a church plants, man. Anyway, I look at the creative things like the mountains, and I'm like, man, that is incredible. I, I, I look at, you know, the elk are bugling right now. I don't know if you know that or not, but it's the elk bugle, and you can go to Rocky Mountain National Park, and they're just showing off, and they're bugling, and that's, I just love it. I love, I love learning about biology and, and the way in which you can see God's handprint in it. I, I, I learn learning about ecology. I learn the, the, the ocean and, and, and fish and all the different things. I love it. I'm, my, I'm one of the person that's like captivated by those things. Uh, my kids would watch this show um, as a, as a what, what was it? I can't even think of the name of it. I blanked. Wildcrats, you know, they watch Wildcrats, and it's like these creature adventures. I loved it. As the parent, I'm like, I'm like, 
eating and watching it. I'm enthralled. And they're like, you know, I love it. I love those things. But there is nothing. None of those things compare to what, what God did when he made humans. When he, when he, made, when he gave us our minds and, and our, our bodies and what they're capable of. Who watches the Westminster Kennel Show? Okay, who's going to watch the Broncos and the Raiders today? Right? Big difference, isn't there, of what they're capable of doing. There's no dog reading pre, like doing a prevent defense. Right? There's no dog like calling audibles. Yum, uh, uh, what is it? Omaha, Omaha. Like no dogs doing that. They're, they're literally at home right now barking at the prime man. We matter. Humans are created with value that other things don't. Now, we're given responsibility that other things don't have, but we're given value. And so when we look in the mirror, and we believe a lie that Satan tells us that you're not right, that you're ugly, that you're a, a, a wretch, that you're horrible, that you're not valuable, that you have no worth, you should just end your life. We're believing the lies of Satan. We're, 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 believing, uh, we're, we're believing lies. No, we have value. Listen to me. Look at me in the eyes. Kevin, look at me in the eyes. Just kidding. <laughs> you have value. You are valuable to God. You have inherent value. You are made in God's image. He made you in his likeness. You may look in the mirror and you may not like what you see. You, you may search your heart and not, not like what you see. But this is what you need to know. No matter your flaws, no matter your imperfections, no matter your deformities, no, no, no matter your mental capability, human life is valuable. And so the first thing that you need to believe is that you have value. Here's the second thing that you need to believe. Tomorrow, when you see a homeless person addicted to methamphetamines and fentanyl, and that people drive by them and look at them as if they're the, the, the scum of Fort Collins, that they have value too. That they're also made in the image of God. That when you see somebody that has a body type that you don't like, or has a, a thought process that you don't like, or has an ideology that you don't like, you don't get just to attack that person and their dignity because they are made in the image of God. They have worth. They have value. And so when somebody doesn't think like us, dress like us, talk like us, look like us, they still look like God. They still are made in the image of God, and they still have inherent worth and, and, and value. We are what God values. God values humans whom he created. Here's the next thing that I want to show you, is that we are created male and female. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So whether you are male or female, no matter what your chromosome pattern is, you are either male or female. And both male and female have value to God. Now, one of the things that when we start talking about gender dysphoria, and we talk about all the things with gender, here's where one of the root problems comes from is that throughout history we have said that one gender is more valuable than the other gender. 
So for thousands of years, we've said men are valuable, more valuable than women. That's a lie. Now look, when we look at Scripture, over and over and over, what we see in Scripture is, is yes, there are gender roles in Scriptures. There are things, uh, created purposes that come with gender. We're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about what biblical masculinity, biblical femininity look like, what their purposes are. But they're both, both valuable. And, and they both have the same purpose, is to glorify God. Enjoy Him forever. Both get the command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Both have that. Both, God doesn't look at, at, at men and say, this is my crown jewel. And this is my toe ring. This one's a diamond. This one's the rough. No, He doesn't do that, does He? We, we see in Scripture that there is, is, is value. Now, you know what happens when we look at pagan culture? We go, look, look at the culture of the Bible. You want to see how the Greeks treated women? Right? You, you want to see how um, the, the Babylonians treated women? You want to say, and, what, what's true is that Christians, in the history of Christianity, Christians have, have held women as equals. Now, there's things about cultures that haven't. I mean, I want you to, to, to realize as we talk about gender, a hundred years ago, women had just gotten, got, got the, the right to vote in America. Right? Because we believe lies about, about gender. But let's read Jesus' teaching. Did, did Jesus treat Mary and Martha with, with, with less respect than he did the other disciples? By no means. Right? When, when Jesus, the, the, the first people he reveals himself to, the Marys, right? We, we, we see the way Jesus treated women with dignity and, and respect and, 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 and valued them for who God made them to be in his image. There are many things that we share in our humanity, right, within, within our roles, but there are specific things, right? And, and those things are addressed in Scripture. They're taught in Scripture. And, and, and in Scripture, as we see them, they're beautiful things, and we're going to talk about that in weeks to come. Look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, who, who most people, when they kind of twist, twist his words or make him to be out to be the bad guy because he, he kind of lays down some of the orders in church and what men should do and women should do, Go read the end of Romans 16. His closing letter, when he says, greet so-and-so and greet so-and-so and do this, listen how he talks about his sisters in Christ. He knows they're created in the image of God. He sees their inherent value. So God created us male and female. But does everybody feel as if they are male and female. Are we taking away to say that, no, this isn't a real feeling that someone has. This isn't something that someone really struggles with. Well, by no means. By no means. We would acknowledge that this may be a, a struggle. But we would also point that there's a whole lot of other struggles, isn't it? And maybe you don't struggle with gender dysphoria or your kid doesn't struggle with it. But I got a feeling there's something that within your identity that you struggle with. And so my charge to you would be, in this point, would be accepting who, the, the truth of who God made you to be. And here's where the struggle comes. Here's the, the next big idea, is that we are broken from the fall. Genesis chapter 3, you turn over a few pages and you see the account of what happens in the Garden of Eden. You see that 
that God has told Adam and Eve that, that there is the forbidden fruit that they cannot eat from, and Satan comes and he talks them into eating it. He uses a trick, and we talk about this trick all the time. And this is the trick of, did God really say? Right? And man, isn't that still the practice of the day? Did God really say that? Yep, it's in his word. He did. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, Cursed are you above all the livestock and above all the beasts of the field. Of your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And so today, till this day, we see that with, with Satan is still out to still kill and destroy, and there is enmity between us. There, there has to be strife. There has to be fight. This is what he said to the woman. Will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire, desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And, and to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. So, so first I, I, would, I would point out, the reality of, of Eve in childbearing, that this is, yes, there is pain in childbirth. I joked last, last service that, that God wasn't thinking about epidurals here. Um, it just takes all the way, pain away, right, women? I'm just kidding. I, 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 don't, I haven't had a baby. I'm a man. I can't have a baby. Um, it's, this is talking about more than just the actual childbirth, that in reproduction, that, they're, they're, that, that is the whole thing is painful, the process of getting pregnant or, or, or not getting pregnant, what, what it means to have a, a barren womb, what it means to have children who in, in, in birth who have something wrong with them and, and death, or what it means to have um, not just in childbearing but child rearing and in life and the conflicts that come with it, that there's going to be pain and offspring because of the fall to the man you listen to the voice of, of, of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you. You shall not eat of it and curses the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat all of the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth from you. And you, you shall eat the plants of the, the, the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And so our work became toil. What our bodies were meant to do at the fall became struggle. It became hard. It became painful. We've become fallen. Because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, we are all sinners. And so we live in the reality of our mind and our body that we are broken from the fall. We are made in the image of God. That is a truth. But it is a marred image. It's a marred image. It's, it's, it's marred because of the world. It is not perfect. Now, just because it's marred doesn't mean God doesn't love it, right? There's a, here's a great example. Um, I love my truck. Not, not in like the same sense I love my wife. Why I love my truck. Is my truck perfect? It's not. It's got dents and scratches and dings and all these, all these things wrong with it, you know, but... I wouldn't change it. I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm of the, I'm of the I like, I don't want a new truck. I like my truck just how it is. 
If I got a new truck, I'd want it to be like that one, right? I like the dings in my truck. I don't feel bad about putting new dings in my truck. If I had to, didn't have any dings in my truck, I'd feel bad about it, but I don't. I can, I can go places in my truck because it's the way that it is. We're, we're marred. We're, we, we are broken in our identity. But the things that we feel, I want you to understand, they're a result of our brokenness. Our struggles with our image, our struggles of what we see, our struggles with our desires, our addictions, our, our struggle with our own sexuality, our, our struggle with a, our, our eating, our self-control, our um, depression, our, our anxiety, our pride, they're, they're all results of the fall. So you have to realize, you don't look at the world and go, well, look, man, they're, they're crazy. They, they think, they think that, that man can have a baby, and men can't have babies. They're stupid. Yeah, we're stupid. We're all stupid. We should understand that, right? We, we, have, we have things. You go, Zach, you don't understand me. I, I look in the mirror, and, and I, I see something really ugly. Okay, me too. You don't understand, Zach. I look in the mirror, and I, I, I'm nasty. I'm mean. Yeah, me too. Right? We, we all feel that way. We all ha- have ways in which we feel that are part of our brokenness, are part of our, our, our sin. Right now, a class is being taught about anxiety and depression in, in, in the back, and Man, I, I don't struggle with anxiety or, or, or depression, but man, I struggle with other stuff. Right? The, our bodies fail us. I, I turned 40 this week. I was starting to talk about that. Like, people, people are like, when, when you turn 40, stuff's going to start hurting. And I'm like, that happened at 30. Like, that, I, I've, I've been hard on this body. This body won't do everything my mind wants it to. And so I've got broken bones. I've got a. Uh, a smushed L3 vertebrae in my back. I can't, I can't stay in the bed more than, more than six or seven hours, or I hurt. I pay for it if I stay, right? My, this hurts, that hurts, you know? I've got this problem. They're like, oh, just wait till you turn 40. You'll have to get up and pee, pee during the middle of the night. I do that five times anyway, bro. Like, what are you talking about? I was like 25 and doing that, right? Turned 40 this week, and I to- told Jennifer, I went and looked in the mirror. I had 20 gray hairs in my beard that just magically appeared over, overnight. I see you, Josh Green. My buddy Josh Green's here, the beautiful gray beard back there. Um, I was like, man, I'm old all of a sudden, right? Our, our body's no joke. You know, somebody said, you're, you're, you're 40, you're halfway done with life. And I'm like, Psh, I hit halfway point a long time ago. <laughs> my dad died at 49, my brother died at 51. They ain't got any old men in my family. The odds, odds aren't great, right? Our bodies fail us. Our, our, our bodies, um, man, sometimes our minds fail us. You know, I've watched my grandmother at 92 years old this, this year, her body fine but mentally start to slip. Past half the same thing over and over and over and over. But I watched my brother do the exact opposite thing. This, this time last year, my brother got sick. And uh, it was misdiagnosed and, and several, several things and kind of because of COVID and compl- you know, complications that, that come with healthcare these days, worried about people having COVID, it, it got misdiagnosed and, and he ends up in the hospital on, on October 18th. He's told he needs a new heart. 
but his heart's failed him. Uh, Matt, Matt Purvis is in the room. This is what Matt does for a living. He's a cardiologist, and he puts impellas in people's hearts, and they keep them alive uh, while they stents or, or, or whatever else. But in my, my brother's circumstances, he, he needed a new heart. Different things kept happening, and my brother's so sharp in his mind, he knows exactly what is going on. But literally, there's a machine that's keeping him alive. My brother was very aware of this reality that his body was failing him. And from October the 18th to, to November that, the, the 18th, my brother was just super aware of the fallenness, his brokenness of his body. By the way, on October the 18th, my brother told me that he was trusting in Christ for salvation, and so I believe that the Lord healed him spiritually, that the Lord gave him a new spiritual heart as his, as his physical heart was failing. From November the 18th to February the 4th, I watched my brother dwindle down to 74 pounds. He looked like something that you would see in the Holocaust Museum. It was pitiful. This is a reality that his body, made in the image of God, was mortal, would fail. That the words in Scripture that James wrote in James chapter 4, that life is but a vapor, that it is here and is gone, that we can be, seem so healthy and be so here and seem like we have the, our life in front of us, but yet my little buddy Parker loses his life on Friday. Now look at Rose. I know, Rose, this is a hard time of the year for you. This time last year, you lost your brother. It's hard. It's hard. This, this real thing that happens. Our bodies fail us. We feel the weight of sin. But church, I want you to know something. That there is good news. That He created us in the image of God. That He, in, in that, it's more than that. That the fall, yes, brings us down, but God has sent His Son to save those He created in His own image. That God, God sent His Son, the firstborn of all creation, took on flesh and came to us. That in Jesus' coming, He gives us a greater picture of who God is and that God's Son put on flesh in order to save those who He created in His own image, to save you and I. That though we are broken, though we are sinful, though we have committed sins against God and we've rebelled against God, that His Son put on flesh and He lived a life on this earth, born of the Virgin Mary, living this perfect and spotless life, Jesus came to save God's people. I don't know, like, I've, you know, I've taught a lot of middle school small groups in my life, and so people would, like, Jesus gets sick? Like, Jesus ever have, like, stomach problems, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, Jesus struggled with, I don't know, I don't know. The Bible doesn't, the Bible doesn't speak to whether, you know, he passed gas. I, can't, I don't know, I don't know, right? But this is what I do know. I don't know if he ever got sick, but I know they got beaten. When you read the, the, the accounts, we so, we so often just skip to the crucifixion. 
But we know this, that he was beaten. And we know, we know the process in, in which Christ would have been beaten because we, we, we know Roman culture. We know enough about it to know that they would have taken this whip, this cat of nine tails with these nails and shards of glass, glass and they lashed him across the back until literally his back did not look like human flesh. The Bible says that, that, that people would not even, when they got done, before Jesus was nailed to the cross, like they, they would not have even wanted to look at him because he had been beaten so badly that he no longer looked, looked pleasant to look at, right? He would, have, he would have been, looked mutilated. We know that they put that crown of thorns on his head and they would have pushed it in, that, that blood would have been running down his face. We know that that image... In our heads, we think that's a marred image, but I want you to understand that is the image that God has put forth for us to save us. And they put him on the cross, and they nailed his hands and his feet to that cross, and they hung him up in which he died as a sacrifice to redeem us. The Bible, the Bible does say, I joked in the beginning, to say, I don't want to just preach a sermon that says God loves you. God does love you. God cares for you. God loves you enough to send His Son to die on the cross for you, to redeem you, to save you. And the Bible says that if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. That if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that, 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 that's saying, I'm repenting of my sin. I'm repenting and I'm running to you. My willful rebellion of you. I'm running away from you. I'm running to you. I'm saying you are Lord. You are the boss of my life. You're the ruler of my life. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you'll believe in your heart that God raised his son from the dead, that he did what only God could do. We are mortals, but the immortal God raised his son to life. His heart was not beating. His brain was not working. And God made him come alive to, again. And those who believe in him will not perish, but be, have everlasting life. They have new life in Christ. That what God will work in your heart. That the, the brokenness and the shame that we feel, he begins to transform and change as he sanctifies us to make him more and more like him as we more clearly see his image. I just have a few challenges for you today in closing. First, as we dive into this, as, as we look what it means to be made in the image of God and what it means to be made male and female, that you come back to church, that you're faithful. That this is an important cultural issue that the Bible addresses and we need to hit it right square on the, 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 the head of the nail and you need to be here for it because you need to be discipled and equipped uh, to know this. You have to deal with this. We've got a lot of college students in the room. I'm, I'm convinced that you cannot walk across the campus of CSU without somebody um, trying to convince you of this truth. I get the emails. I see, I see the signs. I know the things that are going on. Like this is what is being, this is how you are being discipled by the world. They're, they're, they're making this, this the, the hill they want to die on. And so come, learn I think it matters too. When you look in the mirror, I want you to ask your I want you to ask yourself questions. I I don't know what your questions ought to be. I'm not you. But ask yourself what lies am I believing about my identity, my, my image as Christ made me? What do I need to deal with? What lies am I believing? What things do I need to search into? What struggle do I have that I need to work on, that I need to address? 
Three, I want you to see others as image bearers of Christ and treat them with dignity. When you see the person this week that you normally would look at in, in, in some sort of judgment this week, see them as fellow image bearers of Christ. See them as people worthy of dignity and respect of Christ's love and show them that love. Share the gospel with them. Tell them of the good news of Jesus. And fourth, today, if you've never believed in the Lord Jesus yourself, if you've been kind of just searching this thing out, today I invite you to believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved, to, to, to believe the good news of the gospel, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised his son from the dead and follow him in faith and obedience. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. And Lord, we just want to humbly bow before you today proclaiming that you are God and we are not. That you are creator and we are the created. So we want to submit ourselves under your authority, the authority of your word, the authority of truth. And Lord, we don't want to be a people whose worldview, the way in which we view the world is is, is wrong. We want, to tr- we, want to, we want to see truth. We don't want to be influenced by the ever-changing, ever-condemning lies of the world. We want to know your truth. Your word is truth. And so, Lord, let it be uh, the lamp into our feet and the light into our path. May we hide your word in our hearts that we would not sin against you, but would rather follow you all the days of our life and that we would be the people in which you have created us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing a song of response.